Welcome to the X Factor Roping Podcast. Our goal is to give you the knowledge and tools to get the most out of what you love to do. I'm Pace Freed, the owner of XFactorRoping.com and your host. We want to bring you the best content possible and it would mean so much to us if you would continue to sign up and support XFactorRoping.com. Thank you for listening. So we're with Dustin Egasuiza, Dustin's NFR qualifier, George Strait champion, uh, one of the most talented guys I've watched rope. We've filmed with him a couple of times now. It's really awesome to just hear how he can reach and how he goes about it. and. I uh, just really appreciate everything you've done, Dustin. Thanks for yes, uh, thanks for being here, man. I'm glad to be on the show. So, uh, you know, to kind of start things out, uh, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you come from and, and growing up and how you got into roping. Man, I grew up in the southeast, and my dad and grandpa originated, they roped a little bit. My dad used to be a calf roper, <clears throat> and he got in his older age, and he was uh, probably 50 when I was in my teens. So he was team roping at the time. He wasn't calf roping anymore. So got me started healing, and uh, I healed for quite a few years and never got real good. Healing's pretty tough. Uh, but then I just decided. Actually, my dad decided to buy me a head horse, a cheap one. Bought him for like five grand, and I just messed around with it at the house. Never took it seriously. Just bombed out every time. Right. Just having fun and. I just started liking doing it a lot more than healing. Started going to some small jackpots around the house. And uh, that horse ended up being the one that won the I won the George Strait on. Uh, placed at the U.S. Finals in the 15. One just really started me out. I've won 30 grand at the U.S. Finals, 125 at the straight. And he just got me to where I'm here right now without that horse. That old $5,000 horse, I wouldn't be out here in Texas right now. Probably I wouldn't even, would never had enough money to come out here and do this game. And I'm just really thankful for that and thankful for my opportunities. Man, that's pretty cool too. You think about that, the, you know, you just took advantage of having that horse and, and kind of used him to his full potential. And I mean, I remember the kind of the first time you came out here to Texas was right before the George Strait, wasn't it? Um. I can't remember. I think actually the first time I'd really, I went to the George Strait in 15 and I didn't make it back to the top 50. And then other than that, I'd never been to Texas. And the next year I come back to Texas, that was the second time I come and I won the straight. And I went to Austin that same night to the rodeo on my permit. Didn't do no good. And went home for a month maybe. And then I went to drive Brad Culpepper at the time he was roping with me back home and he said let's go rodeo so we struck out to california and got back we went to california went back to florida and then i started up with clint summers and ever since me and clint started open we went straight from florida to the summer run and after the summer run i camped out in stephenville i didn't make far that year i was 18th or something right but after that when we got home i started camping out in Stephenville and I hadn't been home since I hadn't been to the southeast in probably three years. Been trying to essentially rodeo for a living or uh, roping and rodeoing for a living. I would say that you're successful at it at this point. <laughs> so, uh, you know, getting to that point where you're, you hadn't had, you're on a fairly, you're fairly new to rodeoing and roping essentially outside of, where, you know, where you're from. 
did you kind of have a goal system set or have an idea of what you're wanting to do uh, or did that kind of come in place after you won the straight or how did that all come about uh, I think obviously most everybody that holds a rope their dream is to make the NFR and be at the top of the game but after I won the George Strait it had always been like just like a fantasy to make the NFR but after I won the George Strait and I had a hundred grand it's like well I can go try it at least right and then I tried it and I didn't have a bunch of confidence but at the end of the year I didn't even rope that great all year we had a lot of heck and I ended up 18th and I missed it by 3500 bucks and it come down to the last few rodeos and we didn't capitalize but that just really opened my eyes like wow I have a chance to do it and I can actually make it and then the next year I got dog and we made it right and uh you know, one thing about it, how especially how you were first come out here and wrote, I would say that you're a very, very aggressive header. I mean, you, you're you one of the guys that can get a couple of swings off, or, and sometimes a swing before the steer is really even moving, and, and throw when you're in the box or essentially at the end of the box. Is that something that you learned back home, or is, how, how did you learn how to reach so well? Well, like, like I said, when my dad bought me that horse, I never took it serious. I just messed around. And right had fun with it. I was taking healing seriously at the time and I would just head and mess around and go fast and just play really. And I think the playing actually turned into getting it figured out and how to do it and how to do it consistently. And then from there I, I entered my first amateur rodeo and I was nervous as heck but I went 4-8 in my first rodeo heading and I was like that was the stepping stone deal like I'm going to do this now I'm not going to heal anymore right and uh win the straight go out to California and it's a completely different game when you go out to California you know there's lots of long scores and how, how did that kind of go when you first started getting to some of these rodeos with some longer barriers and and bigger stronger steers well when I went to California I don't know if I got lucky or or what but I really we actually did pretty good um we won two rodeos maybe and come back high call at Clovis and drew a strong one and I missed. I was really bummed about that. And if I'd have caught him, I would have made the NFR that year. But right. uh, I mean, it was actually pretty crazy. Like I thought it was going to go worse than it did. But when I got out there and seen that I could actually do it and compete with the guys, it was a real eye opener. And now that you're like, you're competing on a regular basis. Can you kind of take me through a typical week of how many steers you like to run and, and kind of the, about how many jackpots you like to go to kind of hanging around the Stephenville, Texas area? Man, the jackpots out here are crazy. It'll blow your mind how many you can go to and how much you have in fees every week. But I'm trying to get better at the jackpot because they've been really kicking my butt here lately. Right. Um, but on a on a typical weekly basis, I run, I don't like to run a bunch on each horse. I run probably three or four or five on my good ones. And on the other two or three horses, I'll run eight to 10, but I really don't just have one day where I just go at it all day. Usually practice about four or five hours a day and usually do it every day because I really don't have anything else I do. Right. And if I'm not practicing, I'm at a jackpot really just my life revolves around roping really so try to run anywhere from 25 to 40 steers a day and is that yeah that kind of about right yeah i don't i haven't been roping the dummy a lot but i uh 
I definitely I have a rope in my hand every day and I'm running steers. Then trying to find that balance of keeping your horses working good and roping for them, and then if you want to add little things to your game, having practice horses and some younger horses, that you can kind of do that yeah. as well. Yeah, I enjoy healing too. I, <laughs> I mean, I feel like you're starting to get the healing figured out a little bit too now. I've, I've seen you heal at the jackpots enough to know that you heal pretty good. Are you, are you a nine or a nine plus healer now? Nine. Yeah, you can heal the feet pretty dang good. Well, man, what, what do you love the most about roping? Oh, just the... It's like, I guess it's like any other sport. You uh, you love the feeling of being at the top whenever you do get to experience it. And then you work hard every day to try to get there again. And the main goal is to be the best. And that's where you want to be. And all the other guys are putting in the work. So you really have to put in the work to be, to hang, to hang with them. So, I mean, that's just what you do and that's what you have to do. Right kind of the process of everything and getting better and then the the big moments that I think that makes it pretty fun as well. There's also a lot of lows. What's been the the lowest moment in your career that's kind of helped you move forward and is kind of that you've got the most out of in the long run? The lowest point in my career would be last year uh, actually coming up. We left for the summer run. We won Pleasant Grove, Utah first rodeo so I was all excited about the summer. We already had 57,001 or something after Pleasant Grove, so we just needed to win a little bit right. and have the NFR pretty much sealed up. And we went to Pleasant Grove and won it, so that was awesome. We started out good. And then from Reno, Reno on, we did not win one check all the way to Cheyenne. We placed at Cheyenne, and that was a long month and a half or however long it is. There's no, like we did not have one source of income and blew through all my money. I was broke. It was bad, but uh, it really taught me to overcome the adversity. And we still we over like we come back for a week, worked it out after Cheyenne, and uh, went back to the north northwest. And we did good. We won money, placed, and that got us to the NFR. But it's just really tough to go day in and day out and get beat every day. Drive. 12, 18 hours, one rodeo, get beat, turn around, drive back the same direction you just come from, go to another rodeo, get beat again. Uh, it was really tough, but you just got to keep doing it. And the main thing is positivity and confidence. If you let yourself get down, there's you're just going to be down at the next rodeo you get to. You got to get there with a positive attitude like you just won the last one. And I think that kind of got me a little bit last year. I was just so over being beat that I was just down the whole time. Um, but then we kind of, we worked on it a little bit. We talked about it and it worked. And when it worked one time, we won Kennewick, Washington. And from there, got it was just going. confidence, yeah. Do you think this, and I, I use the analogy with X Factor and, and all the business stuff that I've been, that comes with it. I say that there's really nothing bad that can happen to me in this business of running X Factor and all everything that goes with it as what I've been to been through rodeoing. I mean, it, there is so many down moments and I think that like just like that that last summer of having that happen and know that you got through it. Do you think that that's something you just like you know going into the summer that it just takes one or two steers to turn it all around and you can kind of keep that mentality? Yeah. Um definitely I'm um a lot more relieved coming into the summer than 
I was two weeks into the summer last year when we hadn't won nothing. Uh, I just know that if we just rope the way we rope, it's going to be fast enough and just catch steers. If we just catch the cows, we're going to we're going to do good and we're going to make the NFR. Right. So getting into the kind of the mental game, how do you try to stay mentally focused from rodeo to rodeo and handle the ups and downs and even the, the when it's going good, just still stay focused? Um, I mean, it's definitely, definitely one of the tougher things you'll do in the sport. Um, you just got to know that you're there for a reason and you got one job and you do it every day, day in and day out, and you just need to do the same thing you do at home, just like it is at home. It doesn't matter how much money you're open for. Uh, as long as you perform like you do every day, you should be good. Right. So over the last year, what is the best habit that you've picked up or behavior that's kind of, that you've picked up that's helped you out with your roping? Well, I try to stay, uh, I try to stay pretty positive. No, not too much emotion. No, uh, not too much excitement or negativity either way on how the run goes. Uh, just kind of a cool, cool, uh, balanced mindset and kind of helps you just stay in line with what you're doing. Right. And is that kind of, would you just say it keeps you in line with like the process of just yeah. constantly working at it? Yeah, I mean, if you go 3-5 at a rodeo and then go to the next rodeo and you're still thinking about that 3-5, you're probably going to mess up. You just need to forget everything that happens and each rodeo is a new rodeo and right. you take it one one steer at a time it's perfect so uh you know roping with roping with Corey, he does not struggle at all with confidence at all and i think that's a pretty good guy to look at but do you ever struggle with uh your confidence and your self-esteem yeah Corey has no issue with confidence he's a he's a confident roper and you can tell in the way he ropes and that's a good, he's a, he's a great partner to have because of that. He, he'll kind of keep you lifted up a little bit. And definitely last year I struggled with it a little bit. Just just getting beat every day is hard. But uh, I think I've realized now that it's all right if you get beat one time. I mean, it was just bad luck. It's going gonna, it's gonna to turn around and come your way. Right, believing in your work, that you, you've worked hard enough and if you focus on your job and... It, you know the work that you put in will will come through you just have to get enough opportunities that it will show through yeah yeah i think that's that's pretty cool and, and being around Corey, you, you can see that a lot as well with him he's he's really is a believer in the team and and every and everyone so i think that's pretty cool so um what's been the the biggest influence in your roping in a kind of a positive way oh i have a lot of influences i mean i I watch everybody and how they do it and what they do, and their attitudes, and I try to take little things from everybody. And I don't want to mold to be like one person. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm my own person, but I like to take things from everybody, things that I like about the way they do and how they act, and I try to transform that into myself and try to make somebody great. Right. Um. I think that that's real important to, to remember, and I think that's why roping gets better as a whole every year. And if you look at it in like about a 10-year period, there's a ton of young guys that rope really well and a lot of people that have taken lots of little aspects from everyone's roping. Uh, one question that I, I had for you, uh, you know, you, you're so, you can reach so well, but if you watch, your upper body is still and calm and, and almost, I would say, perfect as you swing your rope and you can use your, your whole rope riding a horse. Uh, 
what do you think's been able to allow you to do that as far as be able to reach so easily and not really panic with your upper body, your swings still stay smooth and, and to just deliver like you're right at the hip? Man, like like I said, I had that horse and I just, I played around with it and there's a lot of trial and error. But I think you have to, and I don't know what got my body positioned so still, and I, I've had a lot of people say that about the way I rope and I've never really thought about it like that, but um, I think the main thing on learning how to reach is just trial and error. I don't think you can just train on your horse every day and have one horse and just train on him and then expect to go to the rodeo and be able to throw two or three coals and spin one for first. It's just, it doesn't work like that. You have to have something that you can practice for yourself and trial and error in the practice bin and reaching, throwing two coils, three coils, one coil, uh, just roping for yourself. And it doesn't really matter how the horse works. You're just practicing for you. And then it's kind of a fine line because you still have to have other horses that you can go compete on that's going to work right for you. Right. So that's the hardest thing about heading. But I think the main thing on learning how to reach is trial and error in the practice pen or on the ground and just doing it time after time. I like it. Um, and I want to jump back to last summer a little bit. You know, you've once you hit the point where you do got the finals made, uh, you seem like a pretty level person and pretty calm. Uh, you've been in a lot of big situations for, for as young as you are. Do you start getting nervous at all once you've got the finals made, or what, what does that feel like? Uh, there's no more nerve-wracking time than the Northwest when you're 11th to 19th or 20th in the world. There's nobody more nervous than those guys, and I've been in that spot two years in a row now, and it's terrible. I don't want to be there again this year. I want to be top seven or eight. That way I know okay. I'm in the finals and not have to worry about it. But... Um, like coming down to the last rodeo, it come down to the last rodeos of the year last year again. I, I, uh, I didn't have it sewed up on paper until St. George, Utah, which was the last rodeo before we come home. And then we went to uh, the Champions Challenges in Sioux Falls. We won St. George, and that was kind of the point where I knew I was going to make it. And that was a was a big relief. Feels <laughs> pretty call, good. I called all my family. It was about 2 a.m. at home. <laughs> I bet that was pretty fun, man. Um, and then, you know, the thing about making the NFR is you, you can make the finals and it feels like that's a huge goal to, to make that and it's just a huge accomplishment within itself. But then to make the year really pencil out, you need to have a good NFR and, and the rounds pay so much. Are you nervous getting ready for the finals or going up into it? Or how, how, did, you, how did your NFR experience go for you? Yeah, it was a little nerve-wracking getting ready for it. Um, just the getting in the house at night and then thinking about it, like thinking about you're about to go to Las Vegas and rope at the NFR, and then just waiting for the next day so you can go practice it again, going fast every day and trying to get better at that and getting it sharp on the saddle horn, getting a hold of the steers good because you're thinking about the left fence every day. <laughs> and... Uh, I mean, when I got there, it was uh, it was a lot more pressure running the steers through than I was in the first round, just because you're in there with everybody else roping and. Right. But once I, I I missed the first steer, and then after that, I wasn't nervous. I was a little nervous on the first one, and after that, it was all good. 
So you missed the first deer and it's because for me, I would have been, I mean, I would have been so worried after that. You know, you want, I would want the first one to go so good. In fact, I would have a hard time with all of it, you know, because I would, would have, I know for a fact that when I, we're running them through, I would be watching everyone else's run and I would be, I would really be analyzing what I'm doing. I probably, yeah. probably wouldn't even be a good thing for me to even run them through. Is, do, you, do you analyze it at that point or do you just kind of trust in what you're doing? Yeah, when we were running them through, I was really analyzing everything and everybody else's run looked really different or everybody had their own kind of different looking run. And Corey told me that it wasn't nothing like the rodeo when you're running them through. And he was right, it felt nothing like it. Um, it's completely different. You you can run as many through you want that day. Uh, it's not gonna feel anything like the first round or actually running one in the rodeo. It's right. way, it's way different. But uh, after I missed the first one, I was actually kind of relieved. I know it's kind of weird, but after that I, I was like, okay, now, now I got nine rounds and I can just do my deal and not be worried about it. Right. Well, take me through rounds two and three. I kind of want to. I want to hear when it gets rolling over there. What that feels like. Well, I started on that young horse, and uh, the reason I missed the first night, I think, is I, I didn't get going fast enough, and the start's so dang fast. You can literally go with your nod. It's like a bulldog and start, right? Yeah. In the second round, I was a little late again, and I had it on him fast, uh, and I couldn't get my slack. It was weird. Like I, I dropped it, and I missed my dally maybe one or two times. And dog healed him good, and we were four seven, and I think we uh, won fourth or fifth. We won like eleven thousand dollars right. for this terrible run in the second <laughs> round, and that was like, okay, yeah, this is gonna be a good week now. Right. If, I, if we can just make a little bit better run, uh, we can win a lot of money. And then the third steer, I stayed on that horse again, and I was late again, and uh, had to reach a long way. And Corey got the inside leg. We we're four six, and after that, I was done with that horse I was going to try something else so I got on that big horse and just first round we had a good steer I finally got a good start I was right there turned him we were 4-1 split the round and that was just like wow that was so easy was that one of your favorite moments in your career right there winning the round or splitting the round at the NFR yeah uh Luke and Jake kind of ruined it because they split it with us but <laughs> I understand. I've been kicking around wearing that buckle or the 3-5 buckle, but I'm wearing the first one, the well, split buckle. I understand. At least they uh, they let us have it that first night, so that was nice. You know what I thought was really cool, too, is a lot of first-year guys that get to the finals, and especially like your guys that can reach like you can, you would think that they want to use their rope, and they want to use your rope, and that and you got looking to do the opposite. Uh, you know, you're trying to take better starts, and as soon as you did, it was like, you were, you were knocking the barrier back pretty well, I thought. I mean, I, I watched it on TV, so it wasn't as, I couldn't see it as well, but it looked like you got great starts, and it was almost like the one coil shot or the one to two coil, but everything was just so controlled, as well as like, you know, you weren't having a lot of trouble with the left wall, and I, I thought that that was what was pretty neat as well. Yeah, if you get the right start, you don't, there is no left wall issue, really, if your healer throws at a decent time. Right. Um, if you knock the start, it should be no more than a coil then it should be snappy on the saddle horn. But if you're throwing two or three coils in there, you have a big problem and you need to change something. That was what I was doing in the first three rounds and that what, that's what kind of hindered us. Right. And take me to the 3-5. The uh, after the fourth round, I missed the fifth one. I don't know what, what happened. It felt great when it left my hand. 
and the steer was like in a down stride and I ripped the left horn. And the sixth one, uh, I think he might have come left a little bit. We were like four or nine. So I'm like, man, this is this has got to turn around. We've got to do something different. So I'm like, I'm throwing tonight. I'm coming. I'm getting the start. Same start, but I'm coming with it. And I knew we had a strong steer, like we had a real strong steer. And he wanted to go off to the right. I got a good start, and I come with it. And he was stepping off to the right, and as soon as it hit his head, he was turned. And Corey fired it down there, first jump. And it did not, it didn't feel like 3-5. It just felt like I got the start and headed him. And then Corey healed him, and we faced. And I looked up at the clock, and it said 3-5. And I was like, wow, that was insane. I can't believe that just happened. That's got to feel pretty dang good to do that. Yeah. And you guys had a good finals. I mean, I, I thought it was a really great finals. Uh, how much did you guys win, end up winning? We ended up winning 104000 Right. Just, I mean, it's such a good rodeo and great finals. Well, man, um, so what's next after roping? I know that you've got a long roping career ahead of you, but how do you kind of find that balance of... I mean, I think that a guy can grind it out and want to stay with it, but do you have anything in mind when you get towards the end of your career or other things that you'd like to do as well? Well, I think about it a lot, what I'm going to do after Team Reopen, but that's so far down the road that right. I've been thinking about, like, some ways to keep money back and stuff, but it always seems like in this sport you need it and you can't ever save it or you don't ever win enough to save it, but... Uh, here in the next few years, I'm going to start some kind of way to save money or put it back for my future because there's no really other way to do that in this sport if you, unless you do it yourself. So that's pretty important in my in my thoughts because when you're, I mean, when you get 50 years old, you still got a lot of life to live, but it's hard to make money competing right. against all the young guys when you're 50 years old, um, especially in this sport. So you definitely need to think about that. I think, um, just rope good, rope good and win money. <laughs> I agree with that, man. Well, Dustin, I, I really appreciate it. Um, I know that, man, you've done a great job and I really appreciate you filming with us, like we said. I think you've you talked about some awesome stuff and, and give away some great advice. Uh, do you want to add anything? Well, i just like to thank all my sponsors. Uh, they help me get down the road every day. I couldn't do it without them and my family back home for supporting me. And That's awesome. Well, man, I, I know that I kind of skipped over one more thing that I wanted to talk about, and that was the George Strait win yeah. and kind of your first big one. I, I, I kind of want to close on that one. Um, take me through the George Strait, how that rope and kind of come back. You hadn't made it back. This is the second time coming to this George Strait, right? Mm -hmm. You make it back to the Strait to the second day twice. And uh, for you know, for people that don't know how they run it, it you, they split it into rotations and they take the top, I believe, five teams out of each rotation, they, out of 50 teams, and then everyone starts clean slate, and it's a three-header. So it gets pretty fast, and they usually bring back real good steers that second day that start pretty true, and it gets pretty dang fast. Yeah. So you've made it back twice the second day, right? Mm-hmm. Take me through that day. I had some confidence coming off the year before. I didn't make it back, but I, it was pretty good roping and fairly my kind of setup where I could just rope the way I rope and turn good steers. And the next year I was wanting to go real bad, but my money was short and my truck was broke down. 
had to have help pay my fees. Uh, I had to borrow a truck to, to drive out there. Right. One of my buddies lent me his truck. I can't remember what trailer I took, but I think I took my trailer and his truck. And I get out there, and my first run, we're like 6'5", or so we're long. So I'm bummed about that. And then we just come back and blast one, make it back. So now I'm all excited. My first run of the day is already back in the top 50. And then I get one of the next two runs I got. I think I had one healer miss. And me and Kyle Lawrence were in the like the 10th rotation or something. It was late at night. And we made two really guns, good runs. I think we were the second fastest team on two. And after I had two back, I was like, wow, this is insane. I got two back tomorrow. And I went to sleep that night and didn't hardly get no sleep. I was just ready for the morning. And that morning, the first year they ran in there, or no, no, sorry, they go slow to fast. So me and Caleb were first. Uh, they run a little red steer in there. I remembered him from the day before. He was pretty dang good. And we went like four or five or something and took the lead. And I was like, man, this is insane. And uh, so I'm still winning the round when me and Kyle are up. And me and Kyle are the second to last team to rope. And they run us a red wrap steer in there. One of those, that was like a $10,000 bonus in the first round. Right. So I'm like, well, it's 10 grand. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get this 10 grand right now. <laughs> we were four flat, won $10,000 first round. And I won first and second in the first round, and that was just crazy. I come back, and then I kind of regret safety. No, I safetyed up a little bit in the second round, and I just wanted to catch. And we ended up, me and Kyle were like five, six, so it made us nine, six on two, maybe. And me and Caleb were five, two, or five, three, or something like that. So I had two callbacks right there close. But the second to fifth callbacks were real tight, and I was I was fifth and second, and then high team was a good ways out in front of us. And I remember just riding around there, like after I'd already won the ten grand, I was happy. You were relaxed. And I was just feel tapped off. Almost. I had five thousand. I had a lot of money. Right. <laughs> and uh, I tied my horse up when they were doing the. I think they sold the shoot or something before the third round, and I tied my horse up. That same horse that my dad bought me. Never pulled back. I have never remembered him pull back one time. I tied him with the reins. And I get back over there to him and they're starting the they're start no, they're uh, they had already done half the because they run twenty five teams and then drag. Yeah. I went I went to go get on after they were done dragging for the last twenty five and he had pulled back and standing there with broken reins. <laughs> so I jumped on him and now I was in a panic, so I loped all the way down to my trailer. Got some different reins, snapped them on there, and looked back up there, and they're on like the tenth callback or something. Which is or, not, it's really probably not that close to the, where the trailers were parked. No, so that's a long, that was long a good ways. way out there, yeah. It, it might have been, they might have been 15th. I had a little time, but it right. was a little nerve wracking. I would have panicked. And then me and Caleb uh, broke the barrier. We were 3 8. I broke the barrier for him. And after that, I wasn't nervous, fifth callback at all, and I was just confident, and then I broke the barrier, and that just kind of shot me down. I was right. depressed, riding back up there, and I was like, man, that was ridiculous. I don't know what just happened. So I had to kind of do like a double take and think about what just happened, and the next two teams didn't. I think the next two teams broke the barrier also, or maybe a barrier and a leg, and then I was second callback. And we had to be four, eight or something, because I think Clay Trine and Jade were 
sixth or seventh callback, and they went really fast, like four flat or four one. So we still had to be like four five. <clears throat> and I didn't like the steer we had at all. I remembered them kind of coming left and checking off, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to back off any because I hadn't. I didn't like what I did in the second round, so I come with it and give him a big soaker, and it just kind of skipped on the right to the left. And it was weird. I think we were four three or four two. And after that, it was like, well, I just won second at the George Strait because I didn't think we were going to win it. Right. And then the high team missed, and I didn't really know what happened. Uh, my partner slapped me on the back, <laughs> and we rode up the arena, and uh, like we just rode up the middle, just the two of us, and everybody was cheering. It was a really great feeling. What was it like meeting George? Did you tell George anything? Or? Well. George is pretty cool. He uh, told me to sign my dash for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, pretty he's, cool. He's a pretty nice guy. Yeah, man, that's that's got to be. It's crazy just in one rope and how it can go from, oh, I won 10,000, it feels so good, to I just broke the barrier at fifth high call and we were 3 8. Yeah. To, like, I mean, I would be, there's just so many ups and downs right there to, to winning the rope and, and yeah. getting that. That's That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I still think about that a lot because, I, I mean, I feel bad for the guy that I broke the barrier with because we actually we would have won their open, and that's right. a, a life-changing deal. And he didn't get to experience that, but that's part of team roping, I guess. So I didn't do it on purpose, but that's tough. No, I mean, there's there's going to be lots of ups and downs. and I mean, you know that as well. You've had, I mean, like I said, you're pretty young into your career, but it's went, it's went up and down, and, you know, I think you guys just got to be be able to see the long term and and work towards that so yeah well Dustin thank you I really appreciate it you bet